Today, I want to just spend a few minutes talking about this idea, back to life, back to life. And here's the hope of Easter, everybody, as we celebrate an empty tomb. And the, empty, the tomb is empty, so our life doesn't have to be. All right? The, what we celebrate today is not just a story that we get around the table or get around the church service once a year and remember, but it's a story that fuels our life and gives us hope for everything that we're going through. And I want to just kick it off with the promise that Jesus gives in John chapter 11 when he says this. He says in verse 25, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though they die, will live again. And I love this promise right here. He says, I give them eternal life for believing in me, and they will never die. There's a faith step here that Jesus says. He says, for those that trust in me, for those that believe in me, I will give them eternal life. And I think for many of us, we probably walk through seasons or situations of our life, or maybe you're there today where oh, you're standing at the edge, ready to take the face step, but the face step seems so hard. And, and Jesus is on the other side going, man, I, what you're celebrating today, I've already done it all so you can take this step and experience the life that I have for you. It reminds me of a few years ago when Jen and I, we were on a vacation and we were out of this beach area, it was just the two of us, and right there next to where we were hanging out was this boardwalk that walked out into the water, probably a good uh, 30 to 40 yards, if not further. And we saw kid after kid that was hanging out. They had this area at the end of the boardwalk where you could jump, and, and then they had a ladder there where you could just get right back up and do it all over again. And I looked at Jen at one point, I saw these, all these kids having fun, and I thought, man, this is no big deal, let's do this. So Jen and I, we started to make our way. Well, the boardwalk started right where the beach was, so you were on land. But, but I noticed as we kept walking out to where the kids were that the water kept getting further and further away. And the further I walked out to where those kids were hanging out, the more scared I got of this idea that I thought was a good idea. I don't know about you, but man, I am crazy scared of heights. Like I'm one of those guys that when you post the viral video of the crazy people jumping out of planes and walking across bridges, my hands are just soaking wet watching it, you know? And, and so we get out to this area and it's no big deal to Jen. Jen jumps right off the, the, the bridge, right into the water. Well, I get to the edge of where that, that bridge, that area is. And I realize that's a lot further than I want to jump. And I've got all these kids hanging around looking at me like something's wrong with me. And I stood there for oh, what seemed like an eternity waiting to jump. And eventually I just started letting kid after kid go around me. Like, Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, I mean, one kid passed me like five times and it got so bad. Jen is down waiting in the water. She can't touch and she's getting frustrated. At one point she decided, let me pretend like I'm drowning and maybe that'll convince you. That didn't work. I mean, it's nothing. And finally, after getting ridiculed by those nine and 10 year olds, as a matter of fact, one of, one of the boys finally looked at me and said, if you don't jump, you're going to regret it. And I thought, well, you, you little kid right there, I'm jumping now. I mean, my wife drowned is not going to do it, but you're making me mad. And I finally jumped. And when I jumped, I realized, man, this is so much fun. And we ended up doing it over and over and over again. 
And I wonder today, who's at the edge of, edge of the ramp, edge of the bridge? And God's calling out to you saying, jump, take the greatest face step of your life. And jump into something that is better and bigger than you could ever imagine life being on. Like you've tried to find pleasure in everything, but there's only one thing that could truly satisfy. And that's a man who gave his life so you could experience yours. But he says it takes, it say, believe takes faith. But I think there's a couple of things that keep us from taking the face. If you're taking notes, number one is this. I think oftentimes it's our past. It's our past. It's the issues. It's the struggles of our past that keep us from where God wants to go. Could we just be real for a minute this morning? Everybody, we've all got issues in the room. You've got issues. I've got issues. Listen, if you don't think you have issues, that is your issue, all right? Listen, we're, we're all broken. We've all got a past. We've all got stuff that we would never want on the screen right there. We, we sweep it under the rug, hide it in the closet, and pretend like we'll just get through life working it out. And it keeps us from experiencing the joy that God has for us. And here's what I want you to know is that God hasn't brought you through what you've been through on accident. That God has a plan and a purpose even through the pain of your life if you could see it through a different lens. You know, a couple of years ago, I heard about this Japanese art form called Kintsugi. Now, I'm not a big art guy, but when I learned about this, man, it was so pro- profound to me. Kintsugi, they say this, it's the art of precious scars. The art of precious scars. And in that culture, what they do is they'll take broken pottery instead of throwing it out. You know, I'm the kind of, I'm not a big Mr. Fix-It kind of guy. When Jen comes to me with something broken, I'm like, let's go get a new one. You know, I, just the time, it always takes longer to fix something than what I anticipated taking. Maybe it's just me. But I'm not a big fix. Well, they, in this culture, what they do is they not only fix pottery, but they actually accent the broken places. It's the art of beautiful scars. And so what they'll do is on the crack line that runs through the pottery, they'll take a lacquer and they'll throw gold flakes into it. And instead of trying to hide the scars and hide the cracks, they'll actually accent them and make something beautiful out out of them. Listen, for some of you in the room, you've been trying to hide your past. You've been trying to hide the brokenness in your life. And you need to look back and realize that the greatness of God walked you through every season you've ever been through. And you wouldn't be here today if it weren't for the cross and it weren't for the grace of God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. I love, I love what Robin Bright, she says this. She says this, I I love, she says, never hide the dark chapters of your story. The part where he brought you through is what the world is desperate to hear. You know, people celebrate our successes, but they identify with our struggles. And your past is a part of what God has created you to be. Embrace it and know that he's working through you. I think the second one is our pain. For some in the room, it's, it's physical pain and Maybe the physical pain that you've gone through has separated you from a loving God because you felt like in the middle of what you've walked through, where is God? Why did God abandon me? Why did God leave me? Why did 
my family member pass away or why are we going through that cancer or that situation that we're dealing with? And that's not the absence of God. That's a struggle in this life. That's a pain of life. Don't let it separate you from the goodness of God. I think for some it's emotional, maybe depression or anxiety. For others, it's spiritual. You know, I recognize this in a room where so many people show up on an Easter Sunday, is that one of the biggest reasons people get disconnected from God is actually the pain they experience in the church. Can I, can I tell you this, is that church hurt is one of the worst hurts. Because oftentimes what I see with people is they don't disconnect with God. They disconnect because somebody has hurt them. Somebody that they love that was a Christian or a Christ follower has done something to them that's caused their relationship with God to be broken. Can I tell you, God loves you and God is with you even through the pain of your life. You know, I was just thinking about it this week as I was preparing this message, the pain that that Peter must have felt. You know, Peter, he was one of the most passionate disciples of Jesus. Man, he was that disciple of God. He was one of the closest three. God, I'm with you. Jesus, I'm with you no matter where you go. To the point that even when Jesus said, Peter, you're going to be the one that denies me. God, I'll never deny you. Can you imagine what Peter must have felt like as he probably sat out on that fishing boat weeping, pouring his heart out, going, God, how could you ever love me for, for turning my back on you? For some of you, you've walked through that kind of pain. Listen, I love what happens the first time Jesus encounters Peter after the resurrection. The question he has for him is so beautiful. He comes to Peter and he says this. He, here's what he doesn't ask. Peter, why did you cuss? Why, 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 did, why did you lose your anger? Why did you? That's not what he asked. He didn't want to know about all this stuff. He asked one question. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? If there's one message I could get across to you today is this. Jesus loves you. Listen, single mom, Jesus loves you. Broken marriage, God loves you. Crazy drivers on 75, Jesus loves you. Even Red Sox fans, God loves you. Listen, and I think that's really hard for him to do. You obnoxious, I mean, loving people that you are. God loves you. That's what Billy Graham said. That's what, that's, that was what Jesus was saying when he hung his arms wide. He was telling the world, I love you. Man, experience and walk in his love today. I love John 10.10. 10. It says that these purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is this, to give life and life in its fullness. 1 Peter 1.3 says, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. That's what separates Jesus. I mean, Jesus did amazing miracles, healed blinded eyes, turned the water into wine. He did so many great things. But what makes Jesus so different and why we celebrate this holiday is because he was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again. And he didn't just rise again so we could talk about it on Easter. He rose again so we could experience the kind of resurrection life that he died for everybody. He wants to bring us back to life today. And I want to give you three things that will help us walk in the life that Jesus has for us. If you're taking notes, number one is this. We've got to know God. We've got to know God. 
And what I'm talking about when I say know God is not a casual know about him or know the story of him. But God created us for relationship. And maybe today you've, you've just known a very surface level version of, of God. A casual, just encounter him once or twice a year on a Sunday. But God has so much more for you. You know, several months back, Jen and I, we went to an event called Night of Hope. It was an event headlined by Tim Tebow. Maybe some of you were there at Tropicana Field. It was a really cool night. And man, of course, Tim Tebow is is an incredible guy. And man, just a strong, strong values and love for the Lord. And it was a really cool experience. We got invited to to an environment, a room before the meeting that night to meet. It was a meet and greet with Tim Tebow. I'm like, man, this would be awesome. You know, just so cool. I, I followed his story and that'd be really cool. So Jen and I are there together. We're waiting in a line for some food and we start to hear this commotion behind us. And I look back and I mean, there's Tim Tebow's biceps, man. I mean, they just come walking in the room. And sure enough, man, I'm, I mean, it was such a cool moment. He's kind of a bigger than life figure and he's huge too. And, and so he walks in, I turn to Jen, I'm like, babe, you got to get his picture. And she's like, yeah, I'll get his picture. I'm like, no, you got to get his picture with me. I want to get his picture. <laughs> she's like, absolutely not. There's no way I'm doing that. It's, emb- you know, embarrassing. I'm like, okay, the picture is out, man. And nothing else. I'm going to shake this guy's hand. And so Tim Tebow starts making his way. And so I'm getting myself in a ready position as soon as he comes. And, and so he makes his way there. And when he, when he gets in front of me, I'm like, I mean, I acted like we were best friends. Tim Tebow was Timmy. What is going on? I reached out my hand and we shook hands and we had a moment. He met eyes with me and it was just, it was magical, man. It really was. And, uh, but what happened next was even better, everybody. Because Jen was right next to me, and when Tim reached out his hand and we shook hands, he realized that we were together, and Tim let go of my hand, and he reached out his hand to shake hands with Jen. And listen, if you know us, you know that I'm the introvert, and Jen is like, she doesn't meet a stranger. And when he reached his hand out to Jen, Jen, I turned back, and she didn't know who he was looking at. And she froze in the, I mean, I was loving, this was amazing, everybody. <laughs> Jen froze and she's like turning around going, who are you talking to? I'm like, He's, he wants to shake your hand. And she reached out her hand and shook Tim Tebow. And when I look back at my wife, she was as white as a ghost, everybody. I mean, I picked her up off the floor and I mean, it was, I don't think Jen washed her hand for a week, man. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> We had such a cool experience getting to meet Tim Tebow. But here's the deal. I don't know Tim Tebow. I mean, I heard he got engaged recently, and that's pretty cool. And I I follow him on social media, and I've connected with him from afar. But I don't know Tim Tebow. But here's what I wonder this morning. How many of you have experienced just a little bit of God? but not understood or realized that God wants something far more for you than just a little handshake. 
that God created you not for just a casual encounter. God created you so that he could change your Monday through your Saturday. That you would experience the power of the resurrection on Easter Sunday. You would experience the power of the resurrection every single day of your life. That's what God wants for you. He wants to know you and you know him. I love John 17. It says this, this is the real and eternal life that they know you the one and only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Ephesians 2.8 reminds us this, that God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. I just encourage you, man. Even if you were good, there's nothing about your goodness that would ever deserve or earn the grace of God. But he loves you just the way you are today. Know God. Number two, receive forgiveness. Receive forgiveness. And I don't know how you are, but I'll just be honest about me. Is, is I think most of the time I'm, I'm ready and willing to receive the forgiveness of God. But one of the things that I struggle with is forgiving myself. I, I struggle with carrying the shame and regret of my past. I'm talking about yesterday and every other mess up I've had. Anybody else, you just made some dumb mistakes in your life? That was just to see if you're breathing. Only three of you in the room. Man, I I do dumb stuff daily. Recently, I walked into a Chick-fil-A and I saw this guy that I knew was from Bay Chapel. Most of the time, I'm to myself for something, something dumb got in me that day. I walk into this guy. This guy is sitting by himself eating his Christian chicken. He's facing the other way. I walk in. I don't know what got into me. I walk in. I grab this by the guy. I slap the guy on the shoulders like we were best friends. I, I walk around. And I said, what's going on, man? He looks up at me. I had never seen this guy in my life. I step back. Man, I am so sorry. There is another great church down there. You'll never come to mine. Go to that one. All right. Listen, man, enjoy your lunch. Have a great day. Listen, and that's just the silly stuff. But all the issues and mess ups of my life, I'm thankful today that the cross of Jesus Christ covers every mistake and I can receive forgiveness and grace. Maybe today is a day for you to walk in that. Because, man, if we're going to step into the love and the grace and the new life that God has, we can't, we can't step into it carrying the baggage of yesterday. Man, would you just lay it at the cross this morning and when you walk out those doors, leave it here. Leave it in this high school auditorium with all the leftover Pop-Tarts and everything else that we pick up on the weekend. I mean, serious, just leave, leave your mess at the cross of Jesus Christ. Receive forgiveness. I, I love what Colossians chapter 2 says. It says, you were dead because you were sinful, but God let Christ make you alive when he forgave all your sins. Receive forgiveness. Know God. And number three, we'll close today with this. Live again. Live again. I I think it's the word for somebody in the room this Easter Sunday. Today is a day to live again. Second Corinthians is one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Jesus says this. He says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new person. He's a new creation. The past is forgotten and everything 
is made new. And you can be made. I'm not saying that when you walk out these doors, just everything in your life is going to go great. Everything's going to be on sale. Your kids are going to be angels and your husband's going to be amazing from now on. No, life is life, but God is good. And he wants to change you in spite of the circumstances in your life. Any man being Christ, he is a new creation. He, he wants to bring you back to life today. I want to share one simple illustration before we go this morning. I was listening to a, a TED talk not too long ago, and I love TED talks. I don't agree with everyone I listen to, but I love, man, just some of the best communicators in all the world. They're short. You learn a lot. There's always a nugget that you take with you. And in this particular one, there was a guy that was sharing about the importance of environments, particularly environment and education, Sir Kenneth Robinson. And he was sharing this. He was, he was helping us understand that, that oftentimes our ability to understand and grow as we learn, to, in particular in, in schools, has a lot to do with the environment that we surround students in. I, I think it's a really good principle, but he he used an illustration that I think even speaks to us today. He had moved to California and a couple hours away from where he lived is an area known as Death Valley. I brought a picture just to show you. It is the driest, hottest, most desert-like area. Nothing grows in Death Valley. But in 2004, December 2004, something amazing happened in Death Valley. There was a change and shift in the atmosphere and environment that Death Valley had, had not experienced before, at least in a long, long time. And over the course of several days, right there in the middle of this dry desert, Death Valley received seven inches of rain. And what happened over the next few months was incredible. It made its way to about spring or Easter of 2005. And that area that was broken and cracked and dry and dusty actually looked like this in the springtime. And here's what they learned is that Death Valley wasn't dead. Death Valley was dormant. Death beneath the surface of this dry, crusty, barren ground were seeds of potential just waiting for the right environment to grow. You're saying, what are you, what are you saying, Wes? Here's what I'm saying. Is that for some of us in the room, we look at our life and we see dry, broken, messed up, confused, worthless, and hopeless. But we see the surface. And when God looks at you, he looks past the surface and he sees seeds of potential. He sees not you for who you are. He sees you for who you could be. And let me tell you this morning on this Easter Sunday, there's no better environment and there's no better time to realize the God of all creation who raised his son from the dead wants to, wants to raise you back to life and you experience the newness that God has for you. Can somebody say amen? Amen. I, I love I'll close with this thought, John chapter 14. It says, soon I will leave this world and they will see me no longer. 
But here's the promise. But you will see me because I will live again and you will live too. And that's my heart and that's my prayer for you today is that something in your heart would shake and stir and God would remind you he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Would you just for a moment bow your heads today as we close in prayer?